This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I want to just do a, a, what I call, we finished our series last week, so I want to do what I just call a one-off uh, message. I was thinking about this, this lesson here. I call it Water Walking Lessons, and it's things we can learn from Peter's great adventure. Peter, uh, Peter was an interesting disciple. By the way, if you have not seen that there's a show that's on, it's only on on the internet, it's called The Chosen. And if you haven't seen it yet, uh, I was, the reason I was thinking of Peter is how, they, how they've portrayed Peter in this show, The Chosen, is really good. I've seen a lot of Jesus movies and Jesus stuff over the years. I think I've seen them all. This is the best. And I really would encourage you to see it. It's, you can go online, but look it up. It's called The Chosen. And I think one of the biggest differences is the guy who plays Jesus, who looks a lot like Matt, but don't let that go to Matt's head, but the guy who plays Jesus, um, I, I really believe knows Jesus. And so he communicates the spirit of Jesus so well. And so it's, a, uh, it, it's great. But the guy, how they portray Peter, I, we just, Joy and I laugh, we just get a kick out of it because he's this fiery, hot-headed person uh, who, who, who had... Who did a lot of he did a lot of dumb things, but he did some good things too. And when you see him in heaven, don't don't remind him of all the dumb things that he did, because I'm sure he could probably share a few of yours with, with you. So don't do it. But here's one of his very famous passages where Peter's walking on the water, and then we can learn from this. It said Matthew 14. It says, and when he had sent the multitudes away. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. That's Jesus. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it's I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased and those who were in the boat came and worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. This is, a, here's some things I, I just want to learn. I, I love these, these, these stories like this because we can learn from them. And one of, the, one of the things we can learn from them is, and they're not written just so that we can go, oh, isn't that wild? Jesus walked on the water and Jesus and, and Peter walked on the water. There's some principles here that we can learn. Here's the first one. Jesus did not want his disciples afraid. And I, I've always thought that, that, that that was one of those types of fears. The fear of ghosts did not seem really to be a big thing. And in the whole fear spectrum, being afraid of, of a ghost will be something where you, he, Jesus could have gotten in the boat and went, y'all calm down, chill, it's me. Because, you know, fear of ghosts is certainly not like a panic. It, it's, not, it's not anything. And, and, and if, if you know people, some people really love scary uh, they just think it's the funniest thing in the world. Uh, I have done that uh, numerous times to Joy. Her office is right next to mine. 
And sometimes I'll, when she's doing something, I'll walk in and stand just right behind her. She doesn't know I'm there. And she turns around, she, she jumps. And I, I think that's big funny. It's a little juvenile humor, to be quite honest with you. But the, the, the idea that Jesus didn't get in the boat and go, I mean, he wasn't walking on the water and they're screaming and he's going, uh, you know, he's not, he's not scaring them. And he did not want them to be afraid. Immediately he spoke. And I thought, you know, with people that you, that you love, you don't want them in fear. You, you recognize what, what fear does. And Jesus cared for his disciples, and he still does today. Hebrews 13 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And changed. If you know, if he didn't want his disciples living in fear, even though it may seem to be a mild fear or a easily overcomable fear or a fear that's just, it really doesn't matter to them. He didn't, want him, he didn't even want them in that kind of fear. Now, here's, here's my, my point. If Jesus did not want them in this mild fear, how much more can we take his word seriously when he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Look what he says here in John 14. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, if we realize that Jesus didn't want his disciples just afraid of a ghost, how much more does he not want us afraid of life, afraid of, of the things that we deal with, afraid of being left, afraid of being abandoned, afraid of not having enough. So many different fears. Fear just has such a spectrum. And he doesn't want us afraid. So we can take his words seriously. We can see right there, even in the small things, he didn't want his disciples afraid. And if he doesn't want them afraid in the small, how much more the big? I tell couples every time when, we, when I do a marriage ceremony, you know, Jesus provided wine for a couple at their, at their wedding simply to keep them from being embarrassed. Wasn't a life or death thing. But if Jesus would do something small like that, how much more will he work with the couple to help them build a strong marriage or repair one? So what we can see is even looking at the little things, we can see the heart of Jesus and he cares for people and he cares for you. And so when he says, don't let your heart be troubled, don't let it be afraid, we can take him seriously on that. We can go, okay, that must mean I have the capacity to do this because he's left me his peace. So he didn't want his disciples afraid. Here's the second one. Peter moved on the Lord's command. Now this is, it, when you read this, Peter did not see Jesus walking on the water and then go, oh, wow, I'd love to do that too. And so Peter jumps down out of the boat. No, no, he, he didn't step out of the boat until he had the word of the Lord, until he heard the Lord speak. Now, people talk about how brave Peter was because Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. I don't disagree with that. I think it took a level of courage, but keeping in mind, he wasn't walking on his own. He had the Lord's word on that. And having the Lord's word on that gave him the basis of acting. Now, the reason I say that is that's real important because we, the principle that Peter did, Lord, if that's you, tell me, command me. He said, Command me to come. And Jesus said, come. So that was the command, and that's what he acted on. 
Same principle today. Because remember, we read this story. We don't just read the story and go, whoa, it's amazing what Jesus and Peter did. No, no. We read the story and reckon that same principle applies to us today. If we're going to do what God's called us to do, if, if we're going to see his supernatural in our lives, we still have to act on his command. We still have to step out only on his word, not our idea. Now, here's, here's the, the first, first principle. It's acting on God's written word. God's written word. That's why I encourage people, read your Bible. God's word reveals his will for us. Acting on this written word is what really, if you think about it, brought salvation into our lives. Romans 10th chapter says, what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Now, here's the, here's the beautiful thing about that. That's all we needed. You know, Jesus, Peter acted on one word, come. All we need is this right there. If we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with our mouth, we don't have to add a lot to it. We don't have to say, well, to receive salvation, I don't have to give up everything. I don't, now... After I come to the Lord, I start giving up stuff. But that's not how I get saved. I don't have to work my way. I don't have to give my way. In other words, there's nothing that we add to this because we have his word on it. So we can simply believe. That's why we pray a prayer after every service. We pray a prayer and, and we, we confess. And I encourage people to speak this out loud. Why? Because the scripture said, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I'll be saved. Nothing else. You can walk on that word. And that's why when, when, when someone would come in or especially when we were meeting more in person, we would tell people, hey, you know, someone comes in the church and, and after the service, if they come down to the front, they say, hey, you know, I've heard you talk about Jesus. I, I'd like to know, I'd like to, I'd like to receive Jesus as my Lord. If I looked at them and said, well, I don't know. I don't think you're dressed right. I don't know if you're serious enough. I think you need to uh, go back, maybe come back next week so we can tell if you're really, really serious about this. If you overheard that conversation, I hope you would catch that individual as they walked out the door and go, I don't know what's wrong with Alan. I, I, I don't know what he's smoking, but that's so wrong. Look, come over here. Sit, there, sit, sit with me here in the cafe. All you have to do, you can show them this verse. All you have to do, do you believe that Jesus is the Lord and that God raised him from the dead? They go, yeah. I said, pray this prayer. That's all. So we can act on God's written word. So it applies, that applies to salvation, applies to healing, applies to being filled with the spirit. It applies to getting needs met because we have God's written word on that. It applies to receiving wisdom. It applies to receiving strength. So many things are already there in the scriptures. And so when you're reading the Bible, remember, you're reading God's will for you, especially as you get into the epistles, which are the letters to the churches, mostly by Paul, but also by Peter and John and James. And so you begin to read these and you begin to read, here's God's will for you. Now, here's the second one. Today, the same principle applies to us stepping out on God's word is acting on the word the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart. Now, this would include areas where God's word is not specific. See, I can't read the Bible. I can't read the Bible, and the Bible never said, 
that person asks about the future. Well, there's so many things about the future that the Bible doesn't address. It said if we, if we need wisdom, we can ask him for wisdom. He will give us wisdom. And that's a great one. That's a, that's a great place. We know that. But oftentimes the wisdom of God is not written. I can't look in here and it didn't say, it didn't say you will marry um, an Italian girl named Joy. Wait till you meet a, a girl named Joy. There's, there's no scripture for that. No scripture when I was living in North Carolina said you will move to, to uh, the Houston, Texas area. That's how, that's how I got here. No scripture that, that speaks to so many different specific areas. And that's why we have to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit, that, that God's Spirit can guide us and lead us. And so, but the bottom line is, you don't, this is where, and, and now that's a whole series. I need to do a, maybe a series before we close out the year, but that's a whole series, how to be led by God's Spirit, because that, that involves so many different areas of life that the scriptures don't specifically address. That's huge. But the bottom line is, don't step out of the boat until you've you heard that. You know, we had talked about, for years, Joy and I had talked about having a church. And uh, we looked at different places, tried to start a church in my hometown. That wasn't good. But the Lord never said, come to Greensboro. That was my idea. Didn't work so well. And so, come to Conroe, that worked. But that was his idea. The reason the ark has worked is because we acted on his idea, his plan. So when Peter said, if that's you, tell me to come. Jesus could have said, Peter, no, no, no. You just stay in the boat. This isn't for you. He said, come. So as soon as Peter knew that, Peter had a basis for stepping out. Here's the, here's the third thing we see are lessons for walking on the water. Losing focus, losing focus caused Peter to sink. What happened to Peter? Well, he was walking on the water. Now, we have to give Peter credit too. Because when he's walking on the water, remember we said, they said that the boat was in the middle of the sea and was tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary. So I think sometimes we've seen the, the we, we've envisioned Peter walking on the water and Jesus walking on the water and the water being smooth as glass. It was not smooth as glass. The waves were just tossing the boat. So I, I can imagine Jesus was, you probably saw him going up and down on the waves top of the waves. I don't know, he's walking on water. I haven't personally walked on water. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. And so Peter's, Peter's doing that. He's walking on, he's, he is walking on the water, but he shifted where his focus was. And he said, and, and seeing the wind boisterous. Now that's, that's a key word. He saw the wind boisterous. So he had to have taken his eyes off of Jesus to look at the wind. He had to, maybe he's watching Jesus. He gets out of the boat, and, 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 but he begins to look around and notices the wind blow. You can only imagine what's going through his head. Probably what's going through his head is, what in the world are you doing out here? No one can walk on the water. These are, man, the wind's blowing hard. If you really think about it, the wind being boisterous has nothing to do with Peter's ability to walk on the water. Because you can't walk on the water when the wind's not boisterous. And so Peter was walking simply based on what Jesus had said. So Jesus gave him command. He's looking at Jesus. Now he begins to look around. Now he begins to see that the wind is, is boisterous, that the waves are boisterous. And, and, this, and this, this fear, what Peter saw, caused fear. Fear had an effect on Peter. 
and it started the process of decline. Now, this is an interesting thing. It said, and beginning to sink. So Peter's walking based on his faith in, in, in what Jesus had said. But the Bible said he's beginning to sink. Now, I, I think it, every kid has tried this. A lake or a swimming pool, you have tried to walk on the water. It does not work. And you don't begin to sink. You sink. Just like that. It's not a, it's not a process. You've never looked out of the water and go, oh, I can tell that I can tell they're starting to sink. <laughs> no, they're under. You walk out, you're under. You're, you're down. And so this gives us an idea of what fear can do, that fear can actually pull from you. And it, and it started a decline process, which is really interesting to know because you can be really doing well, but then if you begin to shift your eyes and what you begin to focus on can cause you to decline. And so a lot of times, I don't, I don't think we're just walking along and all of a sudden we're like, you know, I'm just, I'm just not going to serve God anymore. I really think it's more of a process of decline. Now, here's, here's the thing. What we look at can cause faith or fear in us. What we look at. Now, here's a, here's a great passage. It's a classic passage here. It's in Proverbs. It says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. So he's talking about looking at God's word. Now, here's the thing. Consistently looking at God's word causes life and, and it causes faith in us. If we continue to look at what God said, consistently looking at the negatives around us can cause fear. Now, this is, boy, if you stop and think about it, how many situations in your life can you look back on and go, you know what, I was, I was doing really well, but then I kept getting these bad reports and, and I kept seeing this and I kept seeing this. I really feel like this is what's happened to a lot of people during the course of this pandemic. I think people started off really good. And they were strong, and people were writing me, going, man, we're watching, and we're seeing you online. And, and those of you who are watching online, obviously, I'm not even talking about you. But I'm talking about a lot of people, and this has happened not just at the Ark. It's happened nationwide where the, where the viewership was here, and it's, it's now down here. And so I think what's happened is that people, man, they were starting out looking good. They were looking to Jesus. They were, they were staying strong. But then they begin to look at other things. They begin to listen to all the negative news. They begin to listen to all the, the negative reports. They begin to see all the, the turmoil, all the strife, all the things that are taking place. Listen, we, we are kidding ourselves if we think that we can just watch anything and it's not going to impact us. I can remember watching uh, over the years when, when the hurricanes would come in. And, and we just had one recently that, that, that we dodged. But it seems like if you just stay fixated to the, to the television, they just pump fear into you and fear into you and fear. If you're, if you're getting all your input from social media and mainstream media, I can tell you what, you will start to sink because it is so contrary to God's Word. And it just, and so, you say, Alan, you have been on this since the beginning. And I'm going to stay on this because I recognize the effect that it has on you. That's why the Scripture says, my son, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. 
keep them in the midst of your heart. I'm not saying that's easy. You say, well, that's a little extreme. I, it, I, it's better than sinking. It's better than having fear begin to dominate us to the point where we begin to sink. What we keep our eyes on, what we put our mind on, it's going to determine whether we walk or sink. And it's still the same way today. I've used this illustration for years. It makes so much sense. I was a boy. We went to a camp one time, had the greatest time. We rode our bikes out there. We, had, we ate all kinds of junk food. We had the real s'mores, you know, with chocolate and marshmallows and sat around the campfire. We were just having the best time. We're eight, nine, ten years old. No girls out there. We didn't care about girls at that age. We're just a bunch of guys having fun, nothing but men out there. We had some of our, our Christian men. This was an RA thing. Just having a great time. We had a guy that could tell ghost stories. I don't know what it is about Baptist churches I went to, but everybody, there's always one good ghost storyteller in the church. Not that I, I don't think we need one, but he would tell ghost stories, and he could tell them. This guy had very dramatic, and he had a voice. <laughs> he started to, I can still remember today, sitting there looking in the fire, and had been so happy and having a great time, and he would start telling this ghost story, and he had a deep voice. He talked about this ghost that would come and stand and point his finger up at the, at the window at someone, and he would say, are you ready? And then, and then they would die. Now, it's night, and you're looking at the fire, and this guy's telling the ghost stories, and you go from being this happy, carefree 10-year-old to getting really quiet, and you start looking down, and you see, you see guys looking around like this. And then you see kind of guys staring into the fire. And then someone says, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Five guys go, I'll go with you. Never happens until fear sets in. What happened? How did you go from being so happy to being so scared? It's what we put our mind on. Peter was doing so well. He's walking on the water. He's going to Jesus. But he took his mind off that. And he put his mind on the wind and the waves, the boisterous, and what was he doing out there? And he began to sing. Now, here's the beautiful thing. Jesus immediately saved Peter. Now, I love this. He did not let Peter go down a few times to teach him a lesson, <laughs> you know, and then finally drag him up from the, when he's about to drown. His lessons were administered by his word, not by punishment. He looked at Peter. He said, Peter, why did you doubt? Little faith. It was, little faith was enough to walk on the water. He said, why did you doubt? That, there was his lesson. Peter, you didn't have to doubt. And so he wasn't disgusted with Peter. He didn't look at Peter and go, just swim back to the boat. He took him back. He walked with him. He'll walk with you too. He's not disgusted with you. In fact, he sees a lot more in you than you do. Paul wrote Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 5 through 7, he says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwell first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm, I am persuaded it is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Paul wrote Timothy, and we, we understand that Timothy was afraid Timothy had been crying. Paul talked about his tears. He said, but I know you got faith in you. He said, you got some genuine faith in you. Your mama had it. Your grandmother had it. He said, I know it's in you. And he said, you stir up that gift that's in you. 
What's he saying? He's saying is, don't, don't give up. You have so much potential in you. So many good things are in you. And that's something that belongs to us and belongs to all of us. So the fact that, that Jesus did not leave Peter stranded and struggling in the water and walk back to the boat, he's not disgusted and he's not leaving you. He's not looking at you and rolling his eyes. That's so important to know. He's someone, as soon as Peter cried out, there he was. So you say, well, Jesus physically isn't here to pull me out. Yeah, but he'll, he'll speak to your heart. He'll give you words. He'll give you, he'll inspire you. A thought will come, an idea. His hand is stretched out still. These are good lessons, aren't we? We could learn le lessons from walking on the water, learning from Peter's great adventure. Now, got to ask you a question. Where are you with the Lord right now? Are you in a place where you say, you know what? I, I, know, I know the Lord. I, I've, I've received him. He is my Lord and Savior. I, I know I've received salvation. I, I'm confident in that. And if that's you, wonderful. You, you, you stick with that testimony. But what if you're not? What if you're saying, I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, we're going to say a prayer. And if you're not sure, or you're saying, you know, honestly, I've gotten away from God and I know I need to come back. Well, then this prayer is going to be for you. Listen, if you're by yourself, pray this out loud. It'll be good. Remember, we talked about believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth. If you're with other people, you can still pray it quietly to yourself. But pray this prayer. I'll lead you in it. And you can pray it after me. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Now let me pray for you. Father, thank you for those that have prayed that prayer, for those who stepped out of darkness into your light, and for those who've come back home. Thank you, Father, you received them with open arms. For the rest of us, Lord, I thank you that you have words we can walk on. You have wisdom for today. And if we'll put our, continue to put our mind on you and what you've said to us, Father, we don't have to sink. We can continue to walk strong and stronger, and the path of the just is as a shining light that shines brighter and brighter under the perfect day. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.